1: Point with Angela Cocott, And good evening. Yes, I'm Angela Cocott. in for Alex Pearson. One more week hanging out with you. Alex back next week. And as always, love the time we spend together. We try to pack as much into the next three hours as possible. Looking at our nine o'clock hour, hopefully you can hang around that long. But we are going to be talking about rising food prices And we often hear politicians, usually in a position of opposition, telling the government that is in power, do something about the food prices. It's hurting everyone. Well, I have an expert from the University of Guelph talking about there really isn't a lot Governments can do because there are so many factors going into high food prices. And we've talked about this before, but it's almost like the perfect storm when you think of the supply chain issues that we have seen develop over the pandemic. We've got a conflict in Ukraine that's impacting bread prices, fertilization prices, fertilizer prices rather. So there's lots going into it. There is some things governments can do, but we will talk about that after nine o'clock. And kind of tying in with that conversation, on the weekend, the federal government relaxed some of the rules around the temporary foreign workers program, in particular, the caps that some businesses and sectors have on how many of their employees can be temporary foreign workers. So that's in our 9 o'clock hour. In our 8 o'clock hour, we are trying to stay on top of the situation in Ukraine with the Russian war. In particular, we'll focus on Mariupol because we are now finally seeing some of those refugees that have been stuck in the bunkers of this steel plant in Mariupol being given a safe corridor to be able to flee Mariupol. And it is still concerning because as much as Russia had said, yes, we will allow these civilians, these innocent civilians to get out of that war-torn city, there are some troubling reports. So we will talk with Marcus Kolga just after eight o'clock. We are also going to touch on the Johnny Depp Amber Heard defamation trial, Glenn Bragogne, our content producer, will bring us some details on that. This half hour, we'll use that defamation trial as a launch point. Actually, this hour, I think it's just after 7.30, we'll use that as a launch point because if nothing else in the he, sh- he said, she said, you got to really slow that down, he said, she said, We are hearing that one or the other are claiming they've been victims of abuse. And when it comes to men saying that they've been victims of abuse, sometimes eyebrows are raised. But it is an issue, maybe not as big when it comes to females who are reporting domestic abuse but it is a problem and more so because a lot of men don't feel comfortable in reporting it. So we will tackle that at 7:30. Right now though, well, that was much ado about nothing. Last week a couple of times we talked about the Rolling Thunder convoy. And I'm actually being sarcastic in saying that was much ado about nothing because I for one and I think a lot of Canadians especially residents of Ottawa are saying that this time they we're happy to hear that Ottawa's interim police chief, Steve Bell, said several times anyone who's going to be involved in the Rolling Thunder convoy realize we're, we're going to be ready this time. Not like what we saw with the Freedom Convoy in the three weeks between January and February when the semis took over neighborhoods in Ottawa. So this time, Chief Bell was saying we're going to have way more than just the police Uh, We're going to have the RCMP. We're going to have bylaw officers. And also, you won't be able to park your bikes right on Parliament Hill. It's not saying you can't have peaceful protests. Go to the National War Museum, a memorial rather. Hopefully, check in the museum as well. But they laid it out right from the front. And so some people might have been saying, oh my gosh, you're going on and on about this rolling thunder before it even happens. But I think that was one reason. It wasn't as serious as it could have been. It it appeared to be, which was great, truly a peaceful demonstration. I do want to get a better view of what was happening on Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and I did promise you on Friday that we would touch base just to see how things did unfold. And I do believe we are reaching out to Andy Lee, He is a freelance journalist with VNA Media. Andy, thanks so much for joining us this evening. Oh, she, thank you, Andy, so much for joining us. Hi there. Hello there. It's nice to be here. Thank you for inviting me on the show. You bet, Andy, and I apologize. I've grown up with Andys, but also Andys with Andrea or whatever your full name is. So thanks. Either way, I really appreciate it, Andy. Give me an idea of how much you were part of viewing as a journalist the actual Rolling Thunder convoy this past weekend.
0: Yeah, well, unfortunately, I got in uh, late on Friday, so I missed the you know the events on Friday, which was sort of when I think most attention was. Um, so I sort of missed that, but I was with the you know the protest. Uh, and the bikers, you know, right from from uh, 8 a.m. on Saturday all the way through till Sunday. Um, so, you know, I had a good really look at, at
1: what was going on inside the protest and and, you know, I'm happy to share that with you. Glad to hear it. So it was a long day for you, but let's start in the early morning hours, then eight o'clock on Saturday. What was the rally and what did you see?
0: Yeah, well, I think it's, you know, it was important to make a distinction because this was all sort of lumped into it's the Rolling Thunder rally. So the actual Rolling Thunder that, you know, the biker protest that was organized by a veterans group. Um, so it was not necessarily affiliated with, you know, the groups that you saw out on Parliament Hill. Uh, you know, that was sort of done by a, a different group. And, uh, you know, the, they sort of tried to dissociate themselves from Speaker Chris Skye. They were very concerned that that could reflect poorly on them. Um, so that was one, you know, sort of thing, but uh, unfortunately it all got sort of lumped into, you know, just the Rolling Thunder protests, even though maybe the groups weren't affiliated that were running the events. Um, yeah, so I mean, I, I met them there at, at eight in the morning, you know, a couple of hundred bikes there, the police were there, the, the police liaison officers were, were very good, you know, it was very cooperative spirit. Um, obviously, safety was on everybody's mind. Uh, So the decision was made to break the protest into, uh, you know, the bikers into smaller packets. So they went out in about groups of 75, each with their own police escort, just to make sure that, you know, everything was uh, uh, safely sort of proceeding throughout the route, throughout the city. Um, And so we didn't just have this sort of mass of bikes, that they were spaced with liaison officers, uh, you know, just to make sure that, that the route was sort of, covered in a, in a safe fashion. And uh, I think it was, I think it was tremendously successful. Uh, you know, it was good to see that cooperation. That's the sort of thing that we need to see between police and protesters in the future is collaboration. Um, you know, I don't think anybody really realized when the initial, you know, the truckers' convoy was coming into Ottawa, how big it was going to be. I don't think that they were, were prepared. Certainly the city was prepared this time, Um, You know, there were some questions of maybe they were overprepared. Was it an overblown response for what actually happened? Uh, We know that there was a lot of costs associated with it. It was about $3 million in policing costs. That's definitely uh, something to to take into consideration. I think they brought in 800 extra officers. Um, And I think that Ottawa is going to be able to, you know, they're going to continue to see these protests until the mandates are dropped. I think that that's you know That's something that we can count on, especially as the weather improves. I think that we're going to see more and more of these protests being organized. So, you know, we have to look at sustainability in the future um, and, you know, how we're sort of going to proceed in a reasonable fashion if this is going to continue. And I think it is.
1: Andy, you mentioned groups of about 75. I had a hard time getting a clear picture of how many bikers were actually involved in the rally. And maybe it was difficult for anyone uh, even on the ground. But did police have an estimate then how many bikers were part of this rally? I I believe that they
0: went in. I, went, I left before the last group uh, departed just because I was trying to intercept them on their route downtown. So I believe that there was five groups that went out. So in and around 500 bikers, there was a convoy as well of vehicles, uh, support vehicles, uh, a couple of hundred support vehicles, trucks and things like that. Uh, The police asked that they not join in on the actual Rolling Thunder protest. Uh, They didn't want them trailing them around. So that was, uh, you know, that was adhered to and nobody did that. So those convoys didn't join in. So I would say about 500 bikers was was my rough count.
1: So they rode along the route, and um, I saw that well publicized what the route would be. And then did they park all their bikes and walk to Parliament Hill or to the National War Memorial? What happened after that?
0: Yeah, well, ahead of time, uh, Neil, before they actually departed, Neil shared. So he was the, the organizer. He had actually gone down to the War Memorial to give a... Service at the Moore Memorial uh, on behalf of the veterans. So, that you know, most of the veterans actually never even ended up on Parliament Hill. Um, You know, most of them did their route, and I talked to the organizers, and they ended back up at the the Saint Laurent shopping center. And a lot of them just went out for group rides after. Um, Some of them were hanging out in the city, some of them were going to the church service the next day. Um, but a lot of them actually didn't, you know, go back and take part in the actual protests on Parliament Hill. That's, a, you know,
1: that's a different organization uh, that sort of had that going on. So, you and know, as you said that, yeah, you're right, Andy, as you said, there was those two different groups. So uh, Neil Shurd and the Royal, the True Rolling Thunder rally was at the War Memorial. So then give me an idea. Did you have a chance to see how the other group was at Parliament Hill and uh, how that crowd was? And police interaction.
0: Yeah. Well, the the other group is Freedom Fighters Canada. So I I didn't get a, you know, a really close inside look at, at them, but they were sort of doing the my understanding is the, you know, the Chris Skye interview and the rallies and things like that. And they organized the march. Uh, so the march was really large. Um, you know, I, I think for the most part, the, the protest was was wildly successful. Were people on better behavior because of the increased police presence? Um, that's a good question. Um, you know, I I did have some concerns because Parliament Hill was blocked off to traffic. And so on Friday night, because Parliament Hill was blocked off to traffic, uh, you know, it, in the interest of preventing another occupation style uh, of Wellington Street, we did see a lot of traffic end up spilling over into Rideau. And, uh, you know, there was a large, uh, very large amount of people on Rideau Street and that led to some, unfortunately, some clashes with police, um, you know, and, and there was a lot of tickets laid and, and uh, some charges laid and, and things like that. So that was unfortunate. And, and I wonder if, you know, if Parliament Hill hadn't have been blocked off, um, you know, logistically speaking, would that clash still have occurred between protesters and police? Because it was it set a bit of a scary, ominous tone for the weekend. And I was really concerned going down. So I was I was a lot happier and a lot more relaxed when you know I met with the bikers in the morning and and they you know they said no 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 we're just doing our route and then we're we're leaving the city, right? We have no intention of staying. Uh, you know, we're we're sort of doing our rally and then that's it. We're going to be departing. We're not going to be partying on Parliament Hill. Um, so you know, that quelled a lot of my fears as to how this you know might go awry. Um, so you know. I I think the march was, for the most part, peaceful and good. Um, You know, I'm going to be honest. A lot of the citizens are are out uh, and, you know, uh, conducting themselves in a a good fashion. There was some, you know, some heckling with the police. I did see that. Uh, You know, I wish I hadn't. But I did see some, you know, some people sort of heckling the officers that were um, standing by in the streets, uh, guiding the march through. So, you know, I always like to try to deter that. And, and I am on video deterring that behavior um, because it's not really conductive to the, you know, the end goal. Uh, there was uh, some, you know, some verbal confrontations with residents as well. That's also on camera. There were some anti-protesters, um, you know, who started what, it, it's hard to say. Yeah. I, th- I think that, you know, both sides contributed. Uh, and, you know, we did see there is some footage of, of you know, some, maybe some things being thrown as well. At protesters. Um, so that was unfortunate to see, you know, sort of the residents take up that, uh, you know, take up that position and, and feel that, you know, they they maybe had, uh, you know, the liberty to resort to what is essentially an assault. Uh, and, you know, I question whether some of the, you know, some of the rhetoric put out by our, our politicians is, you know, somewhat making them feel empowered and enabled that, they're entitled to this behavior. It's a hard situation. It is their city, they live there. Um, It it is also the capital of Canada. Uh, You know, it's it's not unusual when you look at countries around the world for capital cities to see large protests. So, uh, you know, both people have rights. Uh, So I think the question is how we're going to continue to coexist peacefully as this continues. And I do expect it to continue and, you know, make sure that we don't see more of these clashes and things like that. And, and how maybe we can, uh, you know, as leaders and as media and as politicians, uh, maybe, you know, do our best to, to quell the, uh, you know, the divide that we're seeing instead of maybe putting fuel on the fire and, uh, you know, encouraging sort of, you know, confrontations and, and, uh, um, you know, sort of, driving a wedge in between citizens and and protesters further I think we have to be But Andy, you know,
1: on a whole, you're exactly right. On a whole, it was, uh, as far as the weekend goes, it sounded like there was only minor clashes, considering how many people were involved, two different organizations with maybe different viewpoints or different goals. But I really appreciate this. They learned a lot from January and February, the police did, and it appears to have worked this weekend. And as you said, we'll continue to learn as these protests continue until all the mandates are lifted. I appreciate your eye on the ground report, Andy. Andy, thanks so much. Yeah, thank you. And uh, yeah, I mean,
0: unfortunately, you know, the the end of the weekend was, you know, it it culminated in in, an alleged hate crime against the biker's church. Um, So that was some unfortunate collateral damage that happened. So like I said, I hopefully moving forward, you know, politicians, leaders, media will all be a little bit more responsible and a little bit more cognizant of how we're presenting the other side of the equation and and, uh, you know, try to be more more responsible uh, and try not to, you know, fuel the feel the fire that seems to be brewing here between residents and, and protesters. Exactly. Andy, thanks again. Thank you very much for having me. Have a good night.
1: Andy Lee, freelance journalist with VNA Media. Coming up after the break, when we have these rallies or protests, oftentimes there's videotapes. Police are looking at who's in the crowds, if there's any unrest. The importance of making sure police are using those images correctly. I'm Angela Cocott. in for Alex Pearson. You're listening to On Point.